from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. became the mighty Battle Cat, and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 197, The Toys That Made Us Conversation. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Yes, uh, very excited about this uh, interview, conversation, what have you. Uh, on December 22nd, an eight-episode documentary is coming out on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. And as you guys know, for following us for this long, that is right in line with what this show is all about. It's those properties we grew up with that we absolutely love and adore uh, and cannot get enough talking about it. Well, thankfully, there's someone else out there who felt the same way and decided, you know what, I'm going to do a whole documentary series about it. I uh, have on the line with me uh, Brian Volkweiss, uh, who is the creator of The Toys That Made Us. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. So I'm going to start off with the obvious question that, uh, I'm sure you've already answered probably about 8,000 times already. <laughs> What's, what led you down this path to doing this, this series? You know, it, it was really three things. Um, the first thing was I love toys. Um, you know, I played with toys a lot when I was a little kid and those toys, um, the ones that survived my fireworks and, you know, <laughs> explosions, uh, those toys became the foundation of what, you know, now almost 40 years later is my collection. So I've got a gigantic collection, hundreds and hundreds of toys. And, you know, that was the first thing. Okay. The second thing is I'm a huge history buff. And, um, you know, there's, you know, I noticed it's like, you know, there's hundreds of books about World War II. There's hundreds of books about World War One and the Civil War, you know, the Renaissance. But, the toys, for the most part, are these very iconic things in our lives, um, and there's so little known about the history of how they came to be. 
And, you know, there's a couple of toys like Star Wars or Barbie that have a couple of books or a couple of documentaries here and there. But even those weren't, you know, they didn't have the ability to do, thanks to Netflix, this huge deep dive flying around the world, multiple trips to Cincinnati, Japan, Denmark, Mexico, whatever, to tell the story. So I really wanted to either tell the histories that I knew well, like I knew Star Wars and G.I. Joe very well, but I didn't know anything about He-Man. I didn't know anything about Barbie. Um, so that was the second thing was my love of history. And then my third thing is, you know, I do a lot of work in stand-up comedy for Netflix and I knew a lot of people at Netflix. So I just kept bugging them about this show <laughs> until I was lucky enough that, um, you know, we were able to finally figure out a way to do a deal and make the show. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I, you and I are actually pretty close in age. I think I have maybe seven months on you or something like that. Um, okay. So with, with that in mind, uh, and you said, you know, you've been a lover of toys your whole life. So do you, this might be like asking if you have a favorite child, but do you have a favorite toy line that you have just loved your entire life? I mean, really, the main toy for me, like the kind of thing where it's like, if I was only allowed to have one toy growing up, it would have been Star Wars. Okay. That that falls right in line with me. I can totally appreciate that. Um, now, after doing this documentary, is there a toy line that you want to know even more about than what you have learned, like, or or thought about, maybe I want to start collecting that now? Uh, yeah, I mean, the easy one is He-Man. I knew nothing about He-Man when we started. I was never into He-Man. I didn't own any He-Man figures up until about, like, five months ago. Okay. And now I have four or five figures, and I'm definitely getting more and more into He-Man. I mean, He-Man is really an interesting story, uh, very different than almost all the other stories uh, that we tell uh, just in general, the story itself is interesting. But, um, you know, the other thing which is just so interesting about He-Man is these characters, unlike almost any other toy line, it was like, whatever, you know, yeah. you, you got a bug and a flower, all right, just give it some <laughs> legs. Now we got flower, you know, butterfly man. You know, like, so a lot of these are just like works of art where, like, Mattel would figure out how to do fake fur and glue it to plastic and have no purpose. You know, like their R&D lab would figure that out. Yeah. And it was like, oh, let's just give it to He-Man. And then all of a sudden you'd see this, you know, hairy guy. You know, so I've really come to, like, Stinkor. You know, that was the first He-Man figure I've ever bought. Yeah. You know, they put smelly oil in the plastic when they made it. Like, so I've really become very, very fond of He-Man. Um, and I'm starting to have almost, uh, I have the beginnings of what I know will be a full shelf of He-Man figures. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's a toy line. I don't know if you came across it while you were looking into all this, uh, talking about the mismatch. The toy line I always refer to as being probably one of the biggest mismatches I've ever seen is a toy line called Star Yours, which... Is, oh, of course. Yeah, it's just such a, I mean, if you look at the t entire toy line, it's just such a mismatch of different things that came together. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, very familiar with that line. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> um, so obviously, with you know the, all the stuff we grew up with, there's such a huge range of different things that were out there. How 
<laughs> how on earth did you possibly decide what was going to make it into this this show? Um, I used an unscientific, you know, I really had like three criteria that we blurred and manipulated to figure it out. But it was basically, has the toy line been in production consistently since it began? You know, that was the first variable. Mm -hmm. The second variable was I had this vision of like the Mount Rushmore of toys and could the lead characters from the toy be on the Mount Rushmore, like you could see Optimus Prime or Cobra Commander, you know, or Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it had to be just something or someone that could be iconic enough to be on a toy Mount Rushmore. And then third, I really wanted all the toys to have a rabid fan base where there were conventions for that toy, people dressed up in costumes from that toy line. Those are the three variables that we ran all the options through and we boiled it down to those eight. Okay. Now with that in mind, with as far as the ones that, you know, had that type of iconic success and everything, um, and now having done all the research that you did and, and talking with people and everything else, is there any secret sauce as to why those were the successful ones versus some of the other ones? Like, is there something that kind of ties them all together saying, yeah, this is what made these successful? It's it's a great question, and I hate to do this to you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of change your question to give you the answer. <laughs> no um, so basically, you know, if you were to say to me, having been working on the show now for 14 months, covering these eight lines, what is the most value? What is the most interesting overarching thing you learned about all about the toy business? And I would say, absolutely, how delicate success was. Oh. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful to the creators of the show and use the word, the creators of the toys and use the word random because there is absolutely nothing random about the toys that were made. Um, like the creators put their hearts and souls into them and sweated every detail. But like the reason He-Man worked or G.I. Joe when it was brought back in the 80s worked, like both of those are tied to like they happened in between Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like G.I. Joe was held back a year to avoid Empire Strikes Back. So A, it avoided Empire Strikes Back, but B, um it uh what it also did was it gave more time to come up with the characters. So like if G.I. Joe had been released when it was supposed to be released, those character bios on the back wouldn't have been there. So because the year delay, it gave them the time to add the bios and yada yada. So gotcha. all these like little things mattered, like Star Wars and Kenner. You know, if Star Wars had been the number one movie of 1977, I still think there's a chance Kenner could have gone out of business. Like Star Wars had to be the biggest movie of all time right. for Kenner to have survived, let alone thrive. So it really was this very delicate balance. Hello Kitty, um, McDonald, one of McDonald's first Happy Meals ever. It wasn't the first, but it was either the second or third was Hello Kitty. And had McDonald's not started doing Happy Meals and needed a toy for girls, um, there's a very good chance Hello Kitty and Sanrio would have gone away. Wow. So it just almost all of these toys had moments of utter failure. 
um, that, uh, by the way, Barbie, Barbie failed coming out of the gate. Barbie was a complete disaster for years, and it was only Ruth Handler who wouldn't give up uh, that willed it into becoming a success. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, Like, and I don't know if you came across like things like that that kind of played a factor, um, but when you look at some things that were similar that still had some success but not the success of other things, like you had Transformers and you had GoBots. Well, GoBots actually came first but did not have the success that Transformers did. You had uh, you know, Gem and the Holograms, which I'm a fan of, uh, not having nearly the success that Barbie did. Like, is there something that kind of made those ones stand out? Was there something that, you know, pushed them? Oh, I mean, yeah, I can give you an answer. We talk about all that in the show. With, with Transformers and GoBots, there was two issues why Transformers won. Uh, number one, um, the Transformers cartoon was fantastic and serious, and the GoBots cartoon was poorly made and silly. So the... GoBots version of Optimus Prime and Megatron um, was, you know, Cyclone, and I forget what the F-15's name was. Oh, yeah, Leader uh, One. But Leader One, yeah. Like, they just weren't inspirational. Like, nobody wanted to be Leader One. I, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I'm not one of these people who had a bad relationship with my dad. We had a great relationship, but, like, Optimus Prime was like a father figure to me. Yeah. That's the first thing. So the cartoon was much, much better. Also, the, you know, Hasbro put the money into it. You know, Hasbro hired one of the most expensive cartoon-making companies to make Transformers, and they made a great cartoon. And not only did they make a great cartoon, they came up with a great theme song. Yeah. So that was a really big deal, and it was very expensive to make that cartoon versus the GoBots cartoon. Yeah. The other thing with Transformers was the comic book. They didn't hire some silly little comic book company in the middle of nowhere. They hired Marvel, Marvel. and Marvel was very expensive, but Marvel did a great job. Yeah. And even though Transformers were more expensive than GoBots, and much more expensive, um, because people felt about Optimus Prime the way they did, um, and the other characters, of course, that's why it worked. And that's why they were able to get their parents to buy it. And that's what killed GoBots on Jim and the holograms. Um, there was a really, you know, I know she's very controversial, but there's a, uh, in my opinion, uh, a very aggressive, uh, and I mean that as a compliment, uh, CEO at, uh, Mattel named Jill Barrett, uh, who, uh, was running Mattel. Uh, she had heard, that uh, there was going to be a competitor to Barbie. Um, she did massive amounts of research, some would even say spying, to find out what the new characters would be, found out they were going to be a rock and roll band, and basically it normally took 18 months uh, to make a new Barbie doll, and she took 90 days and came out with, like, rock and roll Barbie wow. and literally put Mattel, uh, put Jem out of business. Wow, that's amazing. Destroy it. Yeah. And, and like you said, hearing these stories where it's just like what went into it. I, I, I love history as well, so especially hearing the history of stuff like this. Uh, one of the things that we really focus on a lot on the show, and you mentioned it, is uh, a lot of our focus is on the comics, the ones that came out back then and even the ones that are coming out uh, today that are still based on those properties. Um, so we've talked with a lot of the comic creators and, and artists and everything else, and um, it, like you said, the, the time and effort they put into that and hearing those stories from them, it's like, you feel like you sit there all day and just listen to the stories that went behind all of these properties and everything. So, oh, 
it, it, it was amazing. I mean, don't even get me started on G.I. Joe. I mean, just the most amazing story. Well, the relationship between Marvel and Hasbro, I feel like I didn't even like, like I didn't even completely understand the relationship between Hasbro and Marvel, what it all did. I mean, do you know anything about the G.I. Joe of it all with Marvel? Like, like what happened with that? I I know a bit, yeah. <laughs> there's there's quite a bit that went into that. I know one of the things that Larry Am always loves telling is how they came right down the line, and his was like the last office, and then they said, "Do you want to write this comic?" And they were like he was like, "Sure." <laughs> yeah, but the thing which is interesting about that story is Larry Hama may have been the last guy in the office to do it, but he was still at Marvel. Yeah. So. Even being the last guy at Marvel, you're still at Marvel. Yeah. And all the people that didn't get in the door, he was ahead of. Yeah. But like, do you know the whole thing with Cobra and everything with the with the with with Marvel? I don't know if I do. Oh. Was uh, was it like a <laughs> relation to Howling Commandos and things like that? I know they were trying to compete. No, 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 no. And I just want to warn everybody. Uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! But uh, no, um. Hasbro sent the box, the initial box of G.I. Joe's to Marvel. Uh, Larry Hama is in a staff meeting and they dump the toys on the box and they're like, oh, shit, they forgot to send us the bad guys. So they call Hasbro and they're like, hey, we got the box, you forgot to send the bad guys. And Hasbro is like, no, 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 there are no bad guys. And Marvel goes, what do you mean there's no bad guys? And Hasbro is like, no, no, there's no bad guys, it's just G.I. Joe. And Marvel is like, well, who, who are the G.I. Joes going to fight? And there's like a pause, and Hasbro's like, well, yeah, I guess they'll fight Star Wars figures or, uh, you know, other things. And Marvel's like, listen, we really want your business, but we can't write a comic book without a bad guy. And uh, Hasbro goes, okay, we'll come up with some bad guys. Uh, just uh, you got to tell us who they are and what they do and what they look like. And literally, the phone clicks. And they're in the staff meeting, and they're like, all right, uh, who's the bad guy? And somebody, nobody is completely sure who it was, but somebody puts up their hand and is like, how about Cobra? And everybody else is like, what the hell is Cobra? The guy's like, I don't know, but it sounds cool. (laughs) And that's how Cobra came about. Like, there's not going to be a Cobra. And if you look back at G.I. Joe Generation 1, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was literally like 18 Joes and two Cobras. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, and like you said, it's just a matter of uh, right time, right place, said the right thing, and it's like, boom! Now you got an entire toy line based on it. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Hasbro and uh, Marvel provided a very similar service for Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, while you were doing your research, was there like a unique collection that you came across? Like is there oh, someone tons. out there that just collects nothing but tons. knockoffs or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I've gotten into now, unfortunately, cause they're not cheap, but um, yeah, we, we saw crazy collections, man. I mean, it's easy to talk about Rancho, Obi-Wan, sure. uh, even Gus Lopez. I mean, their stuff is just bananas, but you know, there were even, you know, we met these two guys in Cincinnati who, you know, they live in a house that looks like any other house on the block. And then, I mean, they literally have a museum in their basement, like, yeah. you know, prototypes, toys that were never released, 
I mean, literally just the craziest stuff you've ever seen, just in a little basement in the middle of nowhere in Cincinnati. Wow, wow. And yeah. we, we saw a lot of that stuff. I mean, it was crazy. That's you know, awesome. we went to Tokyo and went to the old offices at Takara uh, and, you know, met the original designers of Transformers. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just, you know, we saw Polaroids of, like, Optimus Prime and Soundwave in their wooden form, you know, when they were first being tested to see if the mechanisms worked. You know, the originals were destroyed on purpose and burnt. No one had even seen these Polaroids in 30 years. So it was it was just crazy, man. We saw crazy stuff. It's crazy. Now, did seeing stuff like I I know what it would do for me, but did you get like chills seeing things like that? I, dude, I got chills. I got chills all the time, and I actually cried a couple times, like just seeing things or meeting people and hearing stories. Like I, I freely admit, I teared up a few times. I, I do not blame you at all. Um, so with the with the series, this series being done, like was there any big takeaway from it? Like anything that you feel like you really gained now, like looking back at it? I mean, like I said before, it's like the main thing I learned was how delicate success is. Um, you know, the other thing I learned was, I mean, it, it, it is a very, very risky business. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're launching a toy line, you can't start with four figures and two vehicles. You have to start with 20 figures and eight vehicles or something like that. And it's like, the, you know, for every He-Man, there's a Silverhawks, yeah. you know, or 10 Silverhawks or 20 Silverhawks, I should say, yeah. you know, you know, the, 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 the Thundercats, which everybody loves and everybody talks about nostalgically, you know, Thundercats was kind of a bomb, you know, it, 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 it barely broke even. So, you know, a cartoon didn't even make it a full two seasons. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I learned. Yeah, I can even imagine just with what you were saying there, like Centurions, there was three good guys, there was two bad guys. That was pretty much it when it launched, and it yeah. it didn't last. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, so with the, with this the first series being done, are you looking to do a second one? And if so, is there like toys you? Is there other toys you want to cover in a documentary? Or yeah, if if if. A second season is greenlit, um, and it's entirely dependent on how the first season does. You know, we want to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Hot Wheels slash Matchbox, Batman, Dungeons and Dragons. Like, we do want to do Thundercats, um, you know, My Little Pony, uh, Power Rangers. I personally would love to do Robotech. I love Robotech. Oh, I love Robotech, yeah. The the other thing I really want to do, if we get the chance, is I want to do at least one themed episode. And my favorite one that I want to do is the toys that should have not been made. Um, <laughs> there are tons of toys where you're like, huh? My favorite example of that uh, are Dune toys. Oh, like, yeah. who were those toys for? <laughs> uh, they're very well-made toys. They're very heavy. They're very big. Yeah. Come with lots of, you know, guns and knives and stuff. But it's like, who can I play with that? Right. <laughs> That's an excellent point. There's oftentimes I see uh, toys that were made, and I was like, wait, 
But that was like an R-rated movie that no kid was gonna go see. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like she's very, she very, it, very, yeah. very strange. So yeah, you know, a, a more modern exam. I know people get upset with me for saying this, but I love the movie too, and I have all the toys. But you know, Starship Troopers. Well, yeah. who, 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 who's gonna buy those? <laughs> oh yeah. Now, uh, now that you've kind of had this this bug of doing this type of uh, this type of show, is there any other topics you would love to explore in this type of format? Yeah, yeah, we want to do a spinoff called uh, the Games That Made Us, and that's mostly video games, but it would also include some board games and pinball. Very cool. That'd be awesome. All right, so you ready for? Uh, I, I warned you ahead of time. Uh, I'm ready. We're gonna get. Into I'm the, ready. We're gonna get into the Bring firing range here. So I'm ready. Fire awesome. away. Awesome. The firing range. We always start off. This is always our starter question. So, and based on your earlier answer, I think I know how you're gonna answer, but you just never know. So the great debate, and this might be a bigger debate these this day and age: Star Wars or Star Trek? I gotta be honest with you, man, and, and I, I hate that this is your first question. Like, I'm, I'm equal. Okay. I, and, and my collection, my collection proves it. Like, if you saw my collection, I have as much Star Trek as I do Star Wars. And the other thing I would also add to it, in defense of my, you know, I hate not answering black or white. I no, hate that's fine. going gray. But I, I've been saying this for years. Star Wars changed the course of my career. Okay. And Star Trek changed the course of my life. Okay. Like very many core beliefs that I have in my life, and I would say the closest thing I have to a religion are things that I learned from Star Trek. But Star Wars is what allowed, what, what caused me to be in show business. I am sure I would be a dentist or a lawyer in New York uh, and not a TV <laughs> producer in L.A., uh, if it wasn't for Star Wars. So I, I really can't pick. They both no. changed my life drastically. That's fine. And I should have prefaced letting you know, you can answer these questions any way you wish. We've had people that don't even use the two choices I gave them <laughs> as their answers. So. Yeah, they were e e equally important to me. Awesome, awesome. Um, so uh, we talked a bit about G.I. Joe. So G.I. Joe or Cobra? G.I. Joe. Um, going back to Star Wars, Jedi or Sith? Uh, I gotta go with Jedi because my favorite character in all of Star Wars, uh, is Return of the Jedi, Luke. Okay. And I'm also a huge Ahsoka Tano fan. Nice. Uh, she is probably my second favorite character after Jedi, Luke. Um, so yeah, de definitely Jedi. That's both really great characters. So, um, yeah, I, I was a... Blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid growing up, so Luke was always a favorite of mine. So. <laughs> I was the only one I knew who wasn't into Han Solo, male or female. Oh, oh no. I probably join you in that on this side of the, the country. So, <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah, no, my favorite moment in all of Star Wars and my wedding gift from my groomsman party uh, was a painting of it. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, is Luke... Um, right before he's about to kill Vader, oh, yeah. uh, looking at his robot hand before he turns off his lightsaber. So, yeah, nice. um, that is, uh, he, he's my favorite character. And then, yeah, and like I said, then Ahsoka. Yeah. The, the, when we were talking about chills earlier, the, one of the scenes that always gives me chills to this day and doesn't matter how many times I've seen it is 
the silhouette of Jedi Luke and Vader with their lightsabers going and the the chorus rising up behind them and everything. Yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah. Greatest moments of all, you know, all film is in that, that whole scene. Um, now, are you Autobot or Decepticon? I'm Autobot. I'm Autobot. I love Optimus. I mean, I really do. But, like, I also love Ironhide. Um, you know, like, uh, Bumblebee's cool. But, yeah, I was never into Megatron. I lo- Like, I love Starscream. Like, he makes me laugh. Yeah. Like, he's a really, really funny unusual character just so blatantly you know open about coup d'etats and betrayal yeah um but uh yeah if i had to be something or work on one of the teams i'd definitely be an autobot nice yeah optimus is my number one my number two is jazz so it's it's jazz is great i love mirage yeah uh so yeah without a doubt very cool uh we we touched on this a little bit earlier marvel or dc I gotta, I mean, I gotta go with DC. Like, I'm a Batman guy. Like, I'm Batman over anything else comic book wise. So, you know, I've got a huge collection of Batman toys. So, uh, and there's just nothing reciprocal in the, by the way, in the rest of DC either, but also Marvel. I'm just, it's really the only comic book hero I'm crazy about is Batman. So far, I feel like I should have grown up with you because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the line that I follow too. So, um, when it comes to Chewbacca, this has been a big debate on our show. Uh, when it comes to Chewbacca, is he a sidekick or is he a partner? I mean, he clearly reports to Han, like he and Han are not equals, but as a character, I mean, he's he's a character. I mean, he's a full-blown character. It's just that his job is, you know, supporting Han. Okay. Like, I think Han pays Chewie. Chewie doesn't pay Han. Gotcha. And uh, th- this one's really outside the park. Uh, cake or pie? Pie. Okay. And a uh, toy line you don't collect that you would like to get into. I know we already talked... To- Touched on He-Man there. Is there another one out there? I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know why there would be a toy line I'm not collecting. I, I honestly, I'm sorry. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head because... I mean, whatever I'm into, I'm collecting. Collecting, you it. know. Hey. <laughs> you know, for a long time, I'd buy the ten to fifty dollar toys, and now I'm buying the hundred to five hundred dollar toys. So I've had the money to buy on the low end forever, and now I'm starting to have the ability to buy on the higher end. So I'm just trying to think: is there anything that I haven't? No, I think I'm get. I, I think, I think you know, I, I'm kind of splitting hairs here, but. Oh. um I am, I can feel myself being pulled into the, uh, uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, Mego toys, uh, very powerfully. Um, so this show really brought about my interest for that. Um, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, there's no line I, I haven't collected that I want to start collecting, uh, awesome. that I can think of. No, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I know the feeling. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, you did the toys that made us. Well, there's also the movies that made us. So, is there a favorite 80s movie? I mean, 
favorite 80s movie? I mean, that's just so hard, man, because there's Indiana Jones, there's Die Hard, there's Untouchables. I mean, I, I you know, Big Trouble in Little China. I, I couldn't give you a favorite uh, from the 80s. I, I, I probably have a dozen tied. It's Aliens, you know, there's Star Trek Two. Uh, yeah, I couldn't give you a favorite. No, um, no problem. I mean, I get, you know what, man? I mean, I guess if I had a gun to my head and I could only bring one movie to a deserted island and all that stuff, it, it would probably be Star Trek Two. Okay. Okay. Well, I can I can sympathize with not being able to pick just a favorite from the entire '80s because we have been going through the '80s movies year by year and picking our top fives from every single year. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so we're also huge fans of uh, stand-up comedy. Uh, John and myself are <laughs> enormous fans of stand-up comedy. In fact, I was watching Richard Pryor and George Carlin at an age that I probably shouldn't have been watching them, but it's one of the bonds I've always had with my dad was we watch stand-up comedians together. So Nice. Um, so, and we, we probably could have spent an entire episode just talking about that type of stuff. Um, with your experience with uh, comedians, what – do you have like a most memorable experience working with a comedian? I mean, I have so many. Sure. I mean, I, I have, you know, I've been doing stand up, I've been in the stand up business, you know, 20 years. So, you know, I mean, one of my favorite experiences that I've only had, you know, probably about a half dozen times is, you know, I'll shoot a special with a comedian that can't sell 20 tickets. And then a year later, he or she is selling 4,000 tickets. <laughs> and it's just the greatest feeling in the world, you know, being with them at the show with 4,000 people and just, you know, it's just an amazing thing to see. Like I said, even though I've seen it probably six or seven times at the most, actually, maybe only five or six times. Um, it, that's, that's one of my favorite things. You know, I, like I said, I got, I, I've had a lot of fun getting to know these guys for a long time, um, but uh, yeah, it'd be hard to boil it down to one story. Cool, cool, very cool though. Um, all right, well, you survived the firing range. You survived all ten questions, so congratulations. Very fun, very fun. <laughs> um, so uh, give the last, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and spend some time with us. Give the last pitch of what people should be excited about. What they, you know. When's it coming out? What they can expect? All, the whole spiel. So the show is The Toys That Made Us. The first uh, episodes dropped this Friday, only on Netflix. Um, and here's what I would say. I would say we tried very hard to make a show for everybody. So if you're a diehard Star Wars fan, we still made a show where you will probably learn new things and be very you know, you'll come away with it being like, wow, I learned new stuff. But if your boyfriend or girlfriend is a Star Wars fan and you're not, you could watch that episode and also enjoy it because we tried to do, we tried to do two things. First of all, we tried to have a lot of comedy and humor in every episode. So it was an enjoyable experience. It wasn't this dark, grueling, uh, you know, history channel lesson. But the other thing we tried to do, and I got to give Netflix a lot of credit for this. We had this great executive, this guy named Nat. And, you know, he, our first cut of Star Wars was two and a half hours long. And Nat was like, and Nat likes Star Wars, but he's not like me, crazy Star Wars. And Nat was like, hey, man, this is great. 
you know, I don't think we need a 10 minute section on flicks, which if you don't know who that is, that is a uh, rare character uh, that was only sold in like Brazil. So, um, so he was really good at allowing us to keep the bones and heart and soul of every episode, but also, you know, not doing these crazy episodes that only like the top 5% of geeks would like. So, like I said, hopefully if we did our jobs right, if you're into Star Wars and He-Man and G.I. Joe, but you're not into Barbie, you'll trust us to give Barbie a, a shot. Yeah. And conversely, if you're only into Barbie and you don't care about G.I. Joe, hopefully what we did with Barbie, you'll enjoy it enough that you'll give G.I. Joe a chance. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I will say, uh, again, it was an honor having you on the show. I actually plan Thank on doing... Thank you, man. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, I actually plan on doing a... Uh, we. You're not uh, necessarily aware, but our listeners are aware I just launched a YouTube channel this year. Uh, I will nice. be doing a, I will be doing a video review of the first episode, and then I will likely do a video episode of the entire series once it's all completed, uh, to let people know about it and uh, and what my thoughts were about watching it. So uh, happy to continue spreading the love for these properties and everything else. So uh, I appreciate that, and uh, definitely shoot me an email. Yeah. And just tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. I, I really, you know, we've been working on this forever, man. Like, I'd really like to know what people like or don't like. Yeah. And, you know, shoot me those YouTube links. And, yeah. you know, we have a Facebook page. So, you know, we're we're trying to share as much as we can of the support we're getting. So um, just, yeah, just please keep in touch and tell me what you think. Absolutely, Will. Absolutely, Will. So let me give our information out. So you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us on Facebook. We have both a group page and a fan page. Fan page kind of updates you on when episodes are coming out. Group page is just our community. And the second you request to join it, I will approve it. And we have a growing community every single day. Absolutely love it. Um, follow us on YouTube, on Twitter. It's at Starjoes Podcast. Email the show at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the episode and respond to it. Uh, we got Star Joe's merchandise. There's Patreon. There's all that fun stuff. But with that, we'll go ahead and close this episode by saying the Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Ah, thanks. Bye.